This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Chat. everyone and welcome to Property Jam, where we discuss everything to do with the human side of property. And this week, we're going to be chatting about newbies in property. Mm. What does it mean to be a newbie in property? Yeah. Starting out. We're starting out. How do you start? How like, do you start? Well, when do you start? What do you need to be worried about? What should you be thinking about? And also, if you've already been doing it, are you a newbie? I'd say you probably are if you've not been doing it right. So yeah, mm-hmm. all different kinds of newbies, right? Exactly. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Intriguing. So what would you say is one of the most important things that a new person in property should know? It's not easy. It's no, it's not easy. And if ever if it was easy, everyone would do it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think being aware of the pitfalls mm-hmm. so that you don't make the mistakes, make the errors that others have made before you, mm-hmm. I think is really important. Yeah. Um, but also getting some knowledge, getting a mentor, getting a coach, Educating yourself in this sector, I think, is really, really important. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter who it's with, as long as you you know, have a mentor who is doing the strategy that you want to follow and has the support network that can help you um, when things go wrong, because things will yeah. go wrong. Even when you plan for things, other things will go wrong That's that you right. can't foresee. Yeah. yeah, I think you mentioned in there as well, strategy. So having a strategy, knowing your strategy and sticking to it, Yes, the shiny penny. The shiny penny syndrome. Uh, I hear it about so so often when people are saying, oh, "I've just seen this big deal, and uh, we can convert this into you know, twenty-two flats, or we can do this, or you know, build this thing over here." And and I asked them what's their strategy. It was like, "Oh, we haven't bought anything yet. We haven't done anything." Mm. It's like, well, maybe you should stick with something which is, you know, you know, um, going to benefit you rather than something which could potentially bankrupt you. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. think this is probably one of the biggest things that I come across with students all the time where they're they've just started out and they're really excited and you know and they kind of know roughly what it is they're looking for they've got half a strategy in mind but then that big shiny deal comes along that's maybe like a commercial to ready that just looks like it's far too good to pass up and they just start dropping whatever they were doing and focusing on that because they think that's where the money is and Mm -hmm. just completely coming away from like the fundamentals yeah property is not get rich quick no it's get rich right i agree with that 100 yeah very very true so those shiny pennies you know that commercial conversion you might see it on day one you might not have that ready for two years exactly Mm -hmm. you know our commercial conversions generally take you know 12 to 24 months to deferred gratification isn't it deferred gratification when it's done you're like yes this is amazing yeah but actually when you're starting out as a newbie you're doing something very simple very straightforward to cut your teeth a little bite of that property i would recommend for anyone even a small hmo would be fine something which gives you some cash flow um which takes away the risk of losing money on deal one because if you lose money on your first deal well, the fact that you've lost money is neither here nor there. What you lose, more importantly, is that confidence. Oh, that's the biggest thing. The biggest Huge thing. amount of, yeah. And the the knowledge that you gain just by doing your first deal, getting it over the line, working with your power teams and everything that goes with it is a huge, huge learning curve for you. So it doesn't matter whether it's a little buy to let, like you said, um, or a, a 22-bed HMO. The process is not that much, uh, it's not that different. No. 
No, just the numbers get bigger. Exactly. And the risk. Are, the risk gets bigger. That there are more moving parts. More mm. moving parts. You obviously have to be more diligent with it, and there's more things to keep an eye on. Yeah. But the basics are still the same. They are, and I think I'm just thinking back to when I started out, and I'm thinking about how massive my first buy to let felt because I was going up north which felt alien in and of itself because I was in an area that I didn't know I wasn't familiar with and then of course I was working with a builder and the building team and talking in a language that wasn't familiar and then I'm running numbers and I've got all the nervousness that you'd have with a big deal about end valuations and then I was raising money in and around that as well and then going through the conveyancing process for the first time. I was going through the whole purchase process for the first time, the mortgage process for the first time. And all of that felt in combination really big. It's mm-hmm. massive. I remember yeah. when, I ex- when I exchanged contracts in my first one, the sister called me up and said, we've exchanged contracts. I was like, well, what do you mean you've exchanged contracts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Have, have you, um, you know, been down there shaking hands? You know, where was I? Did yeah. I have to go and sign something? Sign something. <laughs> uh, did the carrier pigeon come and take it exactly. away? Exactly. Like, yeah. Where are these contracts? How have they been exchanged? Exactly. And then there's like, oh, completion? What? Compl- completion on what? Oh, got it. Right. Okay. It's just a new language. Oh, you can go and pick up the keys now. Oh, oh, really? What, I own it? Oh, my God. That's mine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You mean this is real? <laughs> yeah, I never forget. And I just, oh, that feeling of just owning something for the first time and then having to execute it and put into practice everything I'd learn for real was terrifying. And then going for the valuation in six months' time, I'm thinking, Jesus, please, please, please get, I want all of my due diligence to pay off. And yeah. yeah. I was in the supermarket when I got the call about my first completion. Oh. What were you buying? A little buy to let in Burnley. Woo-hoo. No, in the supermarket. Oh, it was my weekly shop. <laughs> <laughs> I got the giggles. I don't know why I found that so funny. Carry on. Uh, I think you just broke the microphone. Oh, sorry. I do that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in my weekly shop. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 I'm not interested. Um, so, a little buy to let in Burnley. A little buy to let in Burnley. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, now, some people might listen to this and go, well, I want to make sure I get my first one right and I'm going to keep, you know, do my due diligence and I'm going to keep doing my due diligence and keep you know, running numbers and devising new spreadsheets and new ways to analyse deals mm. um, to the extent that they get anal- analysis paralysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they analyse deals to the nth degree so they no longer work. They put too much contingency in. Yeah. Um, they undervalue it. You know, there's being cautious but then if, if you're scared about doing a deal, because mm. fear is a massive thing, That's if you're huge. scared about doing it, then you'll find a reason not to do it. That's you, right. Yeah, you can, you can you can fudge the numbers to talk yourself out of any deal, you know, or into any deal. Or into it, yeah. any deal. But it's it's especially where, that's why it's good, I guess, to start off with a simple little buy to let because there's not that much that can go wrong. You know, if you've checked your market and you know your numbers, then just just go for it. But even then, when it does go wrong, because there might be something that does go wrong. So, for example, on my first buy to let, I had my um, angel pull out at the last minute, at the 11th hour. And um, it was only a small amount. It was about £15,000, which at the time just seemed massive to me. Mm-hmm. And they pulled out on Christmas Eve. And the renovation, which is what the money was paying for, was starting on the 4th of January. So I had to raise that money between Christmas and New Year. That felt like a massive deal. Now, we do that day in, day out now on bigger projects. But at the time, that learning, having your back against the wall and then doing it with a smaller project was massive for me. 
Yeah, and it's a huge confidence builder. Massively. Doing those things as well. Because if you can do it for 15 grand, you can do it for 150 grand. You can do it for as much as you want. That's right. Yeah, but you have to go through that process. And I think this is what, and going back to what Matt was saying about the shiny penny syndrome and over you know getting off strategy but then going too hard on your due diligence really is such a waste of time it really is that's mm-hmm. what we've got we only got time yeah so you know, why waste time on on you know all these other things which distract um so focus and clarity and going in a straight line yeah if you go in a straight line at an average pace yeah you'll get there that's right yeah, um, yeah. if you are kind of going at the speed of light go around in, in zigzags um we probably end up back where you started well, exactly you've got the compound effect isn't it yeah. so just doing little bits constantly or consistently yeah you will get there i know and at the beginning before you buy your first one you think i'm never going to do it i'm never going to get there i feel like i've been taking forever mm. but then it happens yeah. and actually one of the things that uh, you often see I, I, i'm a big um what's the word you're guilty of words today. I've got lots of words, but I think you should probably say it because mine aren't very nice. <laughs> oh, 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 thanks, Joe. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm guilty. Oh, that's much I'm nicer. I'm guilty of this as well, which is uh, which is having FOMO. Yeah. Fear of missing yeah. out, so especially on social media yeah. Yeah. and looking at others and what they're doing. I'm still get it now. I see some gorgeous properties coming up, some amazing looking HMOs and going, oh, oh we need to make sure ours is, is, is that good. Oh, maybe ours isn't as good as that. And yeah. you know, and um, especially when you're a newbie, you haven't yet learnt to deal with that, mm-hmm. yeah. and it can really hold you back and really dash your confidence, mm. yeah, um, to, and stop you from doing anything. And what what you're seeing on social media, you're only seeing the bits that they want you to see. Yeah. So just don't, yeah. don't just be cautious. I would say of what you're looking at and the information that you're that you're taking in, because like I say, they only want to show you the best bits. But they won't tell you about the sleepless nights or the the angels that pulled out or the builders that went dropped tools, yeah. drop tools, tools and left or whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. And in fact, I think also as well, when you start out in property, you're so tempted to join every tribe out there. Like you start following every property group, you start, you know, and so what that means is your whole social media world is property. And if you haven't done much and all you're seeing on social media is people who are doing stuff, that can have a detrimental effect effect on your psyche because you think that you're the only one that's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. It's no, it's true. nonsense. It's not true. And yeah. also everyone lies on social media. I yeah. don't mean to be funny. Like I've seen people showcasing massive projects that look so sexy and you've actually heard that it's gone completely tits up. Like yeah. something's gone wrong with that development or mm-hmm. it wasn't how they made it out at all. Um yeah, I, so I, I just think it comes back to being true to, to what it is you're doing, right? Like, yeah, believe in, believe in yourself and, and your own knowledge and abilities. Mm-hmm. No matter what anyone else is saying, just if, if, you've, if you've done your numbers and you feel what you're doing is right and you're sticking to your strategy and you're following the, the, the guidance of your mentor or your, um, your, your trainer, then just stick with it. And respect yourself, respect your decisions. Yeah. Yep. That's just respect is quite a big thing. Massive. Yeah, huge. So, and as a newbie, how do you get respect from others? Well, the first thing is put yourself out there to get respect in the first place because no one's going to respect you if you're not making contacts because no one knows who the hell you are, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes time to, to build up the credibility with power teams, like, for example, working with builders um, or working with agents that you've never worked with before. But again, if, if, if you start building up those relationships, you have to start somewhere. So just start today. 
make, mm. make today your starting point and take it from there. And yes, you will meet people that won't respect you. You'll meet people that won't believe in your credibility. Mm. So what? Carry on. There will be, you'll meet some the people that will. Yeah. And you know, you and I were talking earlier, weren't we, about the whole fake it till you make it thing? Yeah. One of the pitfalls that happens to a lot of investors in the early days is they're so honest about their newbieism. So they're walking around with estate agents going, this is my first buy to let, this is my first project. And and you kind of got to embody your sort of inner property investor and just make out that you have been doing this all day, every day, and you are just completely proficient at You've it. You've got to instill the confidence. You do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is fake yeah. it so you make it. Because that estate agent is not going to be so obsessed with, oh, show me your proof of funds. I have to see it because you sound like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. Or, yeah. You you get their buy in, and then it just is it escalates from there, and that is the same when you're dealing with tradespeople. Yeah, because they will often take advantage because they can see you new. They'll know exactly. They'll know. Yeah, yeah. So if you're sort of really clear from the get go, and just literally with that inner confidence, um, yeah. So so for for a newbie, then Mm. um, anyone listening that's a newbie, how, how what advice would you give to them about finding a power team, finding a decent builder? Okay, so before I do any trip, certainly when I was starting out, I spent as much time researching builders um, and letting agents and talking to estate agents and kind of having those conversations over the phone or online over email, as much time doing that as I was booking in viewings to actually look at property. So I always say, if you're doing a visit, let's just say you're planning a two-day site visit, right? And you're going up and you're, uh, you know, viewing for two full days. I would say at least a third of that time has to be committed to meeting people and connecting. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, totally. Because a lot of your, where most people make the mistake is in the refurbishment. Yeah. And in quite dramatically underestimating how much things are going to cost. Yeah. And I think it's really important that if you have those power teams, you can get those numbers kind of before you purchase a property confirmed by someone on the ground. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, until you've got the experience to know how much things should cost in your area, uh, yeah, I think it's just so, so important because that's where you'll, yeah, that's where you'll lose your profit yeah. is, in, is in the works when things go over. So a good builder is uh, paramount. Yeah. And you can use recommendations or of builders that other people have used or anyone in the power team for that matter Um, recommendations or by going to networking events and meeting local people local landlords local agents um, and getting contacts that way as well and also when you meet your builder grill him grill him like you would anyone if like you're a business owner and someone's working for you you ask them questions uh, you know what's your references you know um, what's what's your experience show me what you've done before and then you do your due diligence on what they tell you and then you appoint them you don't just go oh yeah you'll do you gave me the cheapest quote let's go for it so I'm always like building multiple appointments with multiple builders and do your due diligence and pick the one that's right Mm -hmm. because they're going to be working for you at the end of the day exactly and if you can have a personal connection all the better because again during the refurb something's going to crop up and so if you've got someone who's, you know, you've got like a connection with ironing out the issues when they crop up is a, is so much easier. Like yeah. it's so much easier. Um, yeah, I think it makes massive difference. So I think, yeah, building your power team when you're new is key. Prioritize the people as much as the property. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You also need to prioritize yourself, prioritize you know, how do you, your time. That's very true, actually, because I guess a lot of people 
ourselves included, will be working full time when you start in property. Right. So you're trying to do a million and one things. Yeah. And some people might want to be you know, full time in property. Other people might want to continue with their job and have property on the side. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really matter which avenue you take. Yeah. You still need to find the time to do the properties and to have that. You, know, you need to go above and beyond to be able to go and do viewings or go to your, you know, look at properties on a Saturday or after work or taking half a day off here, half a day off there to be able to go do it and prioritise, you know, make it, making a start. Yeah. Because, you know, the most important step in, you know, along the road to success is the first one. That's right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I used to do quite a lot of email responses and phone calls during my lunch break. Yeah, totally. When I was working in the, in the city at that point. Same. Yeah. And like I'd sort of, you know, of an evening, sit on the couch, yep. be on my laptop, you know, looking at properties, booking stuff in, sending out emails. But you're not watching your standards? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> hell no. Um, what was it I was watching? Neighbours, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Neighbours. We were talking about all the TV that we watch and like, yeah, Neighbours, Prison Cell Block H, all the Aussie ones, wasn't it? Flying Doctors, <laughs> Flying yeah, doctors, back yeah. in the day. But yeah, no, I, I was watching TV, certainly not any of the soap operas. Lord, no, what a waste of time. But... I'd have it on the background, so it didn't feel like I, it was a chore. But you know what? One of the biggest things, I think, is I hear this excuse all the time. I don't have time. I'm so busy, you know, or I've had to cancel this because... And it's like, I get it. Everyone's busy. But you have to think this is going to be short-term investment and sacrifice, I guess, of, of your time for a lifetime gain. And you really feel the benefit of that when you are on the other side of it. But in the early days, that message holds true. Make time. Yeah. Right. There's there's lots you can do, even simple things like well, when you're commuting, you can have audio books on in, in, in your uh, whilst you travel. You can have podcasts on like this one or whatever. So you can constantly be doing Only stuff. Only this one on repeat. Obviously. Obviously. Only, yes. Obviously. Good point, Matt. <laughs> point well made. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So there there is a lot you can do. Uh, you can double up with stuff. When you're driving, you can play stuff in the car and your kids can even benefit from it or For whatever. For sure. And I think the reality is, because everyone says, oh, what's the quickest way to do it? How do you do it really quickly? And should I just be using a sourcing agent and all of this sort of stuff? And you know what you can do all of that stuff but for me the best property investors are the one who learn the craft from scratch cut their teeth get the experience and then can perhaps delegate out to others the more advanced they get but I think in the early days you have to say to yourself I am going to have to spend time going up the motorway doing my due diligence doing viewings meeting people that will take time and you just have to accept it and when you do that and you build it into your routine plan it so what I used to do, I used to plan quarterly visits. So every three months, I knew in that three-month window, I would have at least one visit to my target investment area. And actually, over time, that increased. So I would sort of be twice a quarter, I would be up viewing properties. And that was manageable in and around my lifestyle. Now, some people can do more. But if you don't plan it over the course of a year and look forward, then you're not going to do it. Life will get in the way. Just think back to when I started. Uh, I actually moved to my investment area. Oh, you did, didn't you? I did. I mean, that is commitment. A bit easier. You don't all have to do that. That'd be a bit weird. <laughs> you don't have to up sticks and move. No, no. But if you want to, yeah. <laughs> I, I know some it? people. If it's important to you, I didn't have many ties at the time, so I yeah. couldn't live in Grimsby. I mean, I love Grimsby, but I couldn't live there. No. no. Well, I lived in Warrington. Warrington's, you know, not bad. It's quite a nice place. Um, it's got you know, nice greenery around it. It's very mm. close to Liverpool, very close to Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good place to live. Obviously, we believe in the area because we've got quite a few properties there. Yeah. And uh, I moved there, which made 
going and viewing properties, um, more part of a day-to-day lifestyle, which um, enabled uh, kind of me to grow my portfolio quite quickly when it's when I started. I'm not saying that that's what people have to do, but it wasn't instant. So it was after probably about a year of being in property that I decided to move. So I'd already had a couple of deals done, and it was like, right, I'm gonna we're gonna move, gonna get it done, and um, and move on. And then obviously no longer living there down in down in Brighton. Move for property again. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> yes. So my next house is going to be in the Caribbean, maybe. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's, we're going to start buying property over there. <laughs> I mean, it. obviously, I mean, let's be honest, that is quite exceptional. Um, and I think also because you were self-employed, you probably had a bit more freedom that allowed you to do that. Yes, I had a business that um, I was able to systemize, which enabled me to not have as much time. and I didn't have to physically be there. Yeah. Um, so if as a newbie, you do have another business that you can take your time out of and you can you know delegate to free up your time i would suggest doing it yeah even if it involves you know spending money out of your pocket to you know bring someone in to do some of the tasks that you, you're you're supposed to do i'm not saying if if you're employed i'm not suggesting bringing in someone to do your job for you and outsource your job <laughs> you could there's a movie about that wasn't there yeah that's yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> um but um yeah just find ways creative ways to free up your time and stop um using time as an excuse yeah um, because yeah, we all have the same amount of time. And if you are worried about time, then go quality over quantity. You don't need to view a thousand properties. You just Definitely need to not. view, you know, five or six good ones and then get your um get your offers in. And in fact, as you get better at it, the number of properties you view, I would imagine, will go down. That's true. Yeah, they should do because if, if you've if you hone down your strategy you know the type of property you're looking for you know what your tenants like and where they want to live then it's very easy then just to narrow down what you're looking for or send someone to view properties on your behalf as long yeah. as you trust them if you trust them yeah yes. i would uh, yeah i would recommend perhaps getting some video walkarounds rather than just their word of mouth mm. yeah yeah no definitely um good app for that marco polo brilliant app for that marco Marco Polo. Really? Mm. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic app. I've never heard of it. It's really I've good. I use it with my power team a lot. So if I can't if I can't be on site, I basically get them to walk around. All it is is it records a video, um, but it's not in real time. Oh, so this is like a mini mastermind. I learned something new today. It's so good. Honestly, I love it. And um, it's just video chat. That's all it is, but not in real time. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's one of the best things. So, you know, for example, I would always, once a week, I'd get my builder to walk around site, talk me through the job so that I can visually see the issues that are cropping up. Okay. Um, Brilliant. But, so that's yeah, a tip the of the day. Yeah. And um, for managing remotely. Marco Polo. Fantastic. I should be getting commission for that, but I'm, I'm not. So shame. <laughs> Marco, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> and Polo, for that matter, unless you're the same chap. I don't know how it works. But yeah, like, I don't know. I think for me, just being just super committed is the biggest thing and also procrastination it's the biggest thing so you go up you do your viewings and then you're like oh I'll put in the offer I'll run my numbers later on and then I'll follow up and you know maybe stick in the offer three days after you view the property nah it's too late by then just, just do it get it in exactly mm-hmm. in just smash in your offers and then keep following up and and just keep finding out because chances are your offer will be rejected um you know it happens a lot we always deal with that don't be sensitive to that just keep going don't just think be defeatist about it just keep coming back and and and, and not letting it be if you know the deal stacks and you can get a good deal mm-hmm. 
But yeah, procrastination is toxic, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you will be pushing yourself, pushing the brown... Sorry, the what now? The The boundaries. The brown dairies. (laughs) Let me try that again. (laughs) (laughs) You will be pushing your boundaries. So you'll be, you'll be getting out of your comfort zone. Yes. Yeah. That's why people procrastinate, because yeah. they're frightened, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I guess it, they, this is all linked, because it's, you procrastinate because of fear, because yeah. it's different, it's unknown to you. Mm. Um, but you've just got to learn to deal with that. There's only so many times you can clean the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Just Feel just the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's such a massive thing in the early days. Anything new, just feel the fear, be frightened, stretch your comfort zone, and just bloody go for it. Yeah, yeah that comfort zone thing. Is, is, I remember when I raised my first £5,000 <laughs> from someone unrelated to me. I was like, my goodness, this is the biggest thing since sliced bread. Responsibility, <laughs> yeah. right? It was, it was amazing. And, uh, yeah, that was about four years ago now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that £5,000 was a huge deal. Felt like everything. Um, that, but then my comfort zone expanded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now... As did your property portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> as the portfolio. And That's then right. you, when you're raising hundreds of thousands of pounds for developments and, and you're raising equity and finding joint venture partners, you've got millions of pounds to you know, put, you know, put their faith in you to deliver a project. I think that's, a, that's an amazing thing. Yeah. And, you know, raising £10,000 or £100,000, as we said earlier, is just a matter of that comfort zone and having that conversation. It's the same conversation, probably same just with a different set. person. Yeah, mm-hmm. same skill set. And this is why cutting your teeth on all of that stuff at a much lower level is so fundamental to getting it right when you are upscaling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, so we've just... basically come full circle here then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. In fact, just on that, so we were talking about this earlier on, we are going to do an episode on money and probably yes. multiple episodes on money because there's a lot to talk there's about. There's a lot to talk about, well, yeah. We can all speak to that because when all of us started at this, we didn't have any money behind us. So it's, it's all been... about the money, isn't it? Well, all yeah. About the money. But then... And we st- well, we s- we've, it's how we started without anything. The same, you yeah. know? So we've all got a... Yeah. How do you build wealth? And in fact, I think people who start without money, and we're kind of getting, getting off topic again, because people who start without money are generally the ones that will be more successful and quicker. Fire in the belly. Because they've got more reason to. Yeah. Because yeah. they're not comfortable. Their yeah. comfort zone is very different to someone who's earning £200,000 a year yeah. mm-hmm. and can pay the bills. That's right. But yeah. uh, as I say, you're only three months away from bankruptcy. As soon as that job, that income goes, then, yeah, what are, they, what are you going to do? So yeah. actually... Good financial planning is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so what, should we end on one tip? The final one tip. tip. Yes. Yeah. So, like, what would Matt? What would you be your if you could offer one tip? What would it be to a newbie, someone starting out for the first time? I would say, get a good coach. Yeah. People. Find someone who is doing what you're doing, or doing what you want to do, and then just ask them questions. You know, follow them, shadow them. Uh, you know, you can find people that are, you know you don't have to pay for it, or you can find people that you can pay to do coaching, mentoring. Um, as long as you find someone who's doing what you want to do and doing it well, and and, and shadowing them, following them, and just there's no no need to reinvent the wheel. Just do what they're doing and yeah. copy it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Good points. What would you say now? Um, I guess it's kind of similar to Matt's, but it's surrounding yourself with people that are property investors already. Yeah. So it's lonely pe- pe- people, it? well, it can be very lonely. But even if you're working with another person, if you if the, if it's a couple or whatever, um, being surrounded by people that are doing it and doing it well, um, and have been where you are, um, then will give you a huge boost of confidence. So true. Because they're they're there to ask questions to. They're there to to emulate to follow what they're doing, um, and they can they can help and guide you uh, in when times get tough. And your comfort zone will expand because of that 
interaction with those other people around you. Yes. So networking, yeah. Which we'll probably have a do an episode on. Probably, networking. yeah. So yeah. Don't, don't don't be afraid to be in a room full of people that that are five, maybe even ten years ahead of where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, learn from them. Be a sponge. Absorb all their information. Yeah, definitely. And just avoid that FOMO. Avoid the FOMO. Well, yeah, and I think for what you're both saying is, so what you're saying is on the kind of the strategy, the practical stuff, get someone who's already doing it. And what you're saying is, is you're going to get the moral and emotional support from people who are already doing it because you do need both of those things. This is why we've put this podcast together because the human side of property is the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough. And actually, it's probably one of the biggest aspects of your journey is just keeping it real dealing with the human issues that crop up Mm -hmm. because we're all humans at the end of the day and issues will pop up and they will and having the right people around you both practically and emotionally is just yeah invaluable i think my tip would be stop looking for the perfect deal oh good one yeah because when you start out this whole you know memo money in money out thing looking for that perfect it's going to set me free in one hit it's nonsense it's, something's going to go wrong it's not going to be the perfect deal perfect deal doesn't exist and just go for it if the numbers stack it's true to your strategy you've got the right people in place to do any form of capital works or manage your portfolio just go for it mm-hmm. and enjoy the learning yeah totally love it well I think that probably wraps up very nicely uh, today's episode so that'll be a goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me so it'll be a goodbye from me then jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see See you on the next next episode. episode